Welcome to the talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. morning church how we doing good to see you guys good to see you if you're watching online man can we just can we just real quick can we give it up for our worship team and our tech teams that make this stuff happen every week that was incredible i hope you're encouraged this morning uh if we haven't had an opportunity to meet my name is nate and i have the honor and privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at revolution and uh, man, I am so glad that you are here. I am so glad that summer is here. Can I get an amen from someone in the room? Oh my gosh, we got a, uh, the opportunity last weekend to take a little getaway with my wife. And uh, man, we, were just, we spent a bunch of time outside. We did some hiking, uh, just breathing in the summer air. And uh, man, I, I am glad that summer is here. So I'm gonna adjust this mic real quick here, John. Uh, and I am so pumped that you are here as we start this brand new series today called Wilder Life. And you might be thinking to yourself, Wilder Life, like are we about to go Jesus up in the club or what's going on? Uh, and I promise it's not quite that. Uh, the premise of this series is, is very, very simple. Um, I believe that you and you and you and myself and you watching online, every, every single one of us, I believe that we are not living the life that God has called us to live. Now that sounds really threatening, I promise it's not. Um, I believe that the life we're living, that God has more for us. More for us, more than we could ever expect or imagine. And at Revolution, we're all about this idea of helping people find Jesus and live like him. We've got it up on the wall over right. Uh, that's our mission. And I believe that that just means more. What do you guys think, church? Is anybody here ready for more? I'm ready for more. But let's see what Jesus has to say about this. Um, this is, this is going to come from the book of John. We're going to be kind of in the book of John and some others today. Uh, starting in uh, chapter 10, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. These are the words of Jesus. It says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I, that being Jesus, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you over, 
flow. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. And that word abundance in the Greek, it actually translates uh, exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more superfluous, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate. So tell me, church, is anyone today just overflowing with the, the fullness of God? Like, you've got, what is that, exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, a superfluous amount of the fullness of God overflowing in your life. Just raise your hand right now if that's you. I would love to think that it's mo most of us, but I think the truth is, at least some of the time, most of us, man, we're barely hanging on, right? I mean, life is tough. And, uh, and sometimes it's all we can do to just hang on. But again, at Revolution, we, we're all about helping people find Jesus live, and live like him. And that, that means an abundant life. And I don't think Jesus will call us to something that he isn't going to equip us for, right? We talked about that for a couple of months, being equipped as a church. So I think the logical next question is how, right? How do we do this? How do we live this abundant life? How do I get this everything overflowing? Well, my friends, I am so glad you asked. And even if you didn't, that's okay. Because <laughs> for this month of June, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to look at how do we live an abundant, overflowing, full, wilder life that Jesus call, uh, calls us to. And we're going to do this by looking at this uh, grand narrative in the Bible uh, called the Exodus story. It's one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible. It's found, you might guess, in the book of Exodus, uh, which the book is named after, which is all the way towards the beginning of your Bible. So if you're holding a Bible, it's the second book of the Bible. So way to the left, if you're looking on an iPhone or iPad, it's towards the top. Um, but Exodus is, is the story of God rescuing his people called the Hebrew people, uh, the nation of Israel they would eventually become to known as. And at the beginning of the story, the Hebrew people are slaves in the land of Egypt. Uh, you might remember back in the fall, uh, in our villain series, we talked about the villain Pharaoh. And uh, he had a brother, a stepbrother named Moses. And Moses came to Pharaoh and demanded that he let God's people, the Hebrew people, go. And then all these th crazy things happened, if you remember. There were some plagues of bugs and locusts. The Nile River turned to blood. Uh, the death of every firstborn son uh, in the land except for the Hebrews. And after all this stuff happens, Pharaoh lets them go. It's, it's an action-packed story, um, but this story happens in only the first 12 chapters of Exodus. 12 chapters, and the book of Exodus is not 12 chapters long. It's not 13 or 14 or even 15 chapters long. It's actually 40 chapters long, 40 chapters to tell this story of God rescuing his people. And actually, it's even more than that because there's bits and pieces of this story in other books of the Bible as well. So my whole point is, is all this action-packed stuff that happens that we know of in the Exodus story, that's just the very first part, the first quarter, if you will, of this story. And so we're going to look at it. We're going to look at all the stuff that's happening and, and this journey that God takes the Hebrew people on. They, they head out of slavery of Egypt, and they go somewhere, right? Um, they somewhere clearly has to be better than a life of slavery in Egypt. So let's, let's see exactly what God tells them about where they're going. In Exodus chapter 3, God says this to his people, I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. So 
they head towards this incredible land that God has promised them, towards this abundant life flowing with milk and honey. That sounds like a good place to be. And uh, this land becomes known as the promised land because this is what God has promised them. And this promised land eventually becomes the home of the nation of Israel, uh, God's people after he delivers them out of Egypt. And friends, I think God wants the exact same thing for you and I. God wants to take us out of bondage, out of whatever Egypt we might be in, and take us to a life of abundance, a life of more. Is there anyone here that think that does not sound like a great idea? Like, Nate, sign me up, right? Sounds good. There's only one problem. I really don't think most of us know what an abundant life is. I think we think we know what an abundant life is, right? We think we know, nice big house, lots of rooms, we can play football, big yard, maybe a pool, shiny new car, maybe some nice clothes, that is not my specialty, clearly, but uh, fashionable clothes, maybe some, some Yeezys or whatever this trend is these days. How about just uh, money to do the things we want, right? Like money in abundance. 2.5 kids and a golden retriever named Buddy. Anybody? Or time? Time to do what we want. Time to go on vacations, go play golf, go fishing. How about food? Y'all, it's summer. I am all about grilling burgers and homemade ice cream, all right? I think food has to be a part of the abundant life. That's my opinion. These all sound like great things and, and, and certainly not bad things by any stretch of the imagination. And don't, don't get me wrong, they're not bad things. None of these things are bad things, but they're not the abundant life that Jesus has called us to. Jesus has called us to more. The wilder life at fence or the house out in the burbs or the, the perfect Norman Rockwell family. The perfect life, uh, it's not the American dream or a perfect carefree life. It's, it's not the promise of health or wealth or even happiness. Uh, go read the book of Ecclesiastes sometime. <laughs> Solomon says all that stuff is meaningless. The abundant life isn't even about the promise of safety in this world. Jesus himself, later in the book of John, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And, and I can't help but imagine that uh, the disciples that were following Jesus at this time are like, all right, Jesus, fine. Just a few chapters ago or, you know, days ago, whatever, you said all this stuff about the abundant life, right? What, what's this? You'll have trouble. And so Jesus anticipating before they can even ask. He says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but a good friend of mine used to say the buts in the Bible are huge. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus tells his disciples like, yes, things are not gonna be so easy when you choose to follow me. But don't worry, I've got this. And guess what? The battle, it's decided. We've already won. Like, you don't need to worry about what's coming. Just focus on what's right here in front of you. Like, surrender this idea of control that you have and just let me lead you through this. In the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew actually records Jesus talking some more about this. In chapter 6, starting at verse 25, it says this. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach 
more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to some job description, careless in the care of God, and, and you count far more to him than birds. And then down in verse 30, it says, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to get you to do here is to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met, but give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Friends, we get really preoccupied, don't we? We, we worry about what's going to happen. We worry about these things that, that God considers afterthoughts, food and clothing and shelter, etc. We're so preoccupied on these things that we can't even begin to receive what he really wants to give us. Uh, a perfect example, my, my son Barrett, he loves dinosaurs. I mean, he loves dinosaurs. At, at various times in his life, he has wanted to grow up to become a T-Rex. Uh, I challenge you to encourage or to ask him for an impersonation. It is priceless. Uh, he's wanted to be a dinosaur race car. Thank you to the movie Cars for making cars into sentient beings. That's not confusing at all. Um, he's wanted to be a dinosaur scientist. I can get on more with that one. Most recently, he straight up wants to be a velociraptor. So if you've seen Jurassic Park, be afraid of my son. Um, but he loves dinosaurs. We get him all these dinosaur toys. He's got so many dinosaur toys, guys. So many dinosaurs. Like our playroom looks like a real life Jurassic Park. But no matter how many of these toys we get him, no matter what, we go somewhere, a store, he sees one, or he's looking in his dino field guide, one of his little books that he likes to look at, and he'll see something he doesn't have, right? And he wants that dinosaur. I want this one. You've got like 50 at home, but I don't have this one, right? I think we're the same way. Like, it's so easy for us to see what, we're, what we don't have. I, I love that it, what it said in, uh, in verse 31. Randy, can we actually throw that back on the screens? Uh, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. I wonder what our days and lives would look like if instead of focusing on the things we're not getting, we were able to refocus on everything that God is doing around us, how he's moving, how he's working, the minor miracles spread out throughout our day. We, we sing a song here sometimes at Revolution called Limitless that, that speaks to this idea that a limitless God is moving and working in incredible ways. He's doing more. Jesus came to give us everything in abundance, more than we expect a wilder life. And so I believe a wilder life is simply a life of abundance with God, but it starts with surrender to God. Like we have to first give up our idea of control in our life, our idea of what we think we need what we need to do. And instead we need to say, God, what, what do you have for me right here, right now? What do you need for me to focus on? What, where are you working that I can 
join in and, and be a part of what you're doing. For the Hebrew people in the Exodus story, the wilder life began with literally escaping the bondage of Egypt. Like they were slaves who promised, who God promised to deliver. And so he did. He uses Moses to, to take them out of captivity, out of Egypt. And as we look at this Exodus story more and more over this month, you're going to see so much like what a wilder life looks like. It's, it's not a safe life, but it, it's a life that's built on obedience. It's not an everything is happy-go-lucky life, but it's a life that's defined by these seasons in the wilderness. So let's, let's take a look at the, uh, in chapter 13 of Exodus, as, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, right? Starting in verse 17 of Exodus 13, it says, it so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route, for God thought if the people encounter war, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. So instead, God led the people on the wilderness road, looping around to the Red Sea. The Israelites left Egypt in a military formation. So God takes his people, these newly freed slaves, uh, who of course are not gonna be like seasoned warriors or anything, and he's like, yeah, let's go hang out in the wilderness for a little bit, all right? And, and I'm a little bit of a history nerd, uh, so I find it really helpful to look at a good map. We've got a good map here. Are there any other history nerds who like a good map? Literally no one. Me and Matt. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Everyone else, that's okay. <laughs> this is the 21st century. So how about instead of a map, we've got a picture from space. Can we put that up? There we go. That's a little better, right? If you don't like space, I don't know what to tell you. You're probably bored a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just kidding. So this is the land of Egypt. Uh, not exact because I'm not a Photoshop wizard, but this is the land of Egypt around the Nile Delta there. Uh, and so uh, God is taking his people out of Moses to, uh, give me the next picture, please. The promised land, what will become the nation of Israel. And that little red arrow is a nice direct route, which is probably the way I would have gone, Mediterranean Sea, and there it is. But they don't do that because this promised land, this, this land of milk and honey, uh, it's full of people. The verse just referenced the Philistines. They're one of many kind of warlike tribal clans that are living in this uh, time. And again, these newly for, uh, freed slaves, not really much of an army. So God's like, we're going to take a detour. So if you give me the, the next picture there, uh, they can do something that kind of looks a little bit like this. This is not by any means an exact route. Uh, good Christian people debate this today, but... They do something like this, kind of all these zigzags in the desert before eventually stopping before part of the Red Sea. And we'll pick up that part of the story next week. But here's the thing. God leads these people into this giant desert. I mean, there's, it's a desert, right? Like, you know what exists in abundance in the desert? Nothing, right? I mean, there's like sand and heat. That's it. But he takes this group of people, roughly... 1 million, maybe 1.5 million people out into this desert with no provisions, no water, no food, nothing. They've got none of the things they need to survive. But the one thing they do have is they've got God. He's leading them. Just a few verses later in Exodus 13, verse 21, it says, God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud during the day to guide them on the way, and at night a pillar of fire to give them light. Thus they could travel both day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left the people. So God takes 
this large group of people, his, his Hebrew people, out into the desert where they absolutely must depend on him and nothing else. And we're going to hear more about this over the coming weeks, exactly how much they had to depend on him. But, but they got here to basically, I mean, they're kind of like basically going out to get lost. Have you ever gotten lost somewhere? I mean, like, you know, good and lost. It's kind of a good feeling sometimes. I, I enjoy it. But there was this uh, time <clears throat> back before we had kids, Katie and I were, were younger and dumber and all that stuff. We were living in Texas, and uh, Katie's younger sister, who I think was still in high school at the time, came to visit. We went to San Antonio, visit the Riverwalk, see the Alamo, all the touristy things, right? And, and I grew up in that area, and so I knew the city fairly well. Um, and so... You know, we go around, and I'm kind of acting as our guide. We, we do all the things, have a great time, and then we're ready to head back uh, to home. And so we start walking in what I was just 100% confident was the direction of the parking garage that we parked in. And of course, it wouldn't be a story if it was the direction of the parking garage. We literally went the opposite direction of where the parking garage was. Then we started turning, you know, turning down random streets, uh, doing anything we could for me to try and get my bearings, like looking for a building, uh, a landmark, a restaurant, anything. Of course, this was before iPhones with, you know, Google Maps and GPS pins telling us exactly where our car is parked. I think we walked around five miles that night. <laughs> and uh, at the time, it was not a great feeling. Our feet were very tired. You know, we, were, we just wanted to go home. But, but looking back, it's actually a super fun memory. Um, my sister-in-law might say differently, but, but we had a fun time, like exploring parts of the city we had never been to, um, you know, laughing at my general clumsiness and lack of sense of direction, and just spending some time together. This, this detour that we didn't plan is now a really fun memory uh, that I can look back on years later and, and enjoy. And I think sometimes that's, that's how life is for us. We take these detours in life and they end up being some of the most memorable times of our lives. And so in this part of the Exodus story, God takes his people on a detour, and he leads them with care out into the wilderness, knowing that this wilderness season is going to prepare them for what's ahead. He's going to show them more and more of his character in this season, and they're going to learn to trust him as he guides them to the abundant life. And... Uh, this is actually not the only wilderness story in Scripture. There's, there's several. One of my absolute favorites comes from Luke chapter 4, and it's actually the story of Jesus going out into the wilderness. Jesus himself models this. He goes out into the wilderness. It says in chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. That was the area he was in. He'd been uh, growing up in. He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days. And when the time was up, he was hungry. I love that it includes that detail. When the time was up, he was hungry. Oh crap, he was hungry. He'd been out in the desert for 40 days, right? But, but Jesus models this very same idea to us. He goes out into the wilderness. It's led by the Spirit, he says. And, and I encourage you, uh, check out verses 3 through 13 of Luke chapter 4 this week so you can get a, get a glimpse of what happens while he's in the desert. But I'm just going to skip to the end. Check this out. In verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee, powerful in the Spirit. I love that. Powerful in the Spirit. Jesus goes out, spends 40 days out in the wilderness, and he comes back ready to get to work. 
God has empowered him to do this work that is set before him. And I think God does the same for us. Friends, we shouldn't be afraid of the wilderness seasons of our life because God wants to empower us. He wants us to be powerful in the spirit so that we can be fully prepared for the work he has set before us. Don't fear the wilderness. Embrace the wilderness. We talk about this idea all the time, how God wants to write an incredible story in your life. And, and so often we think we know how we want that story to go, right? But God has so much for us. And in these wilderness seasons, he begins to prepare us for the incredible things to come. These, these wilderness seasons become integral parts of our story. Friends, don't fear the wilderness. Embrace the story that is being written on your life by the God who is overflowing with abundance. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a couple of songs and just take some time to, to kind of think through, reflect, respond um, to this. But um, I just wanna encourage you, like maybe you've gone through a wilderness season in your life and you can look back and say like, man, wow, God, look, look at what you brought me through. Like you can see all the incredible things that he's led you through and you're coming out you came out powerful in the spirit. Like your faith is so hot that you can look the enemy in the face and be like, bring it on, right? You got nothing on oh my God. Friends, remember what brought you here. Remember that time in your life, how it shaped you, how Jesus walked with you and stay close, walk with Jesus. And I encourage you, look around in your life and see if maybe there's someone else in your life that is in that wilderness season that you can walk with and in turn help them walk with Jesus. You know, maybe you're someone who feels like you're in that wilderness season right now and maybe you've been there for a long time and you're like, hey, I've been asking God to lead me out of the wilderness, but it ain't happening. You've been walking around this desert and you're just, you're ready to collapse. I would encourage you today to just ask God, beg God to speak into your life. Ask him to help you embrace the season and to show you what he wants for you right here, right now, where you might need to refocus or, or see how he's moving around you. And, and don't ask if you're not ready and willing to listen. We're, we're gonna talk more about this idea over the next few weeks as we continue this story. But, but I tell you this, Jesus wants to talk with you. He wants to work in you and he wants to spend time with you. Remember, he said, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. And when we can begin to surrender to God, when we can look past our worldly desires, put aside our ideas for how we think our life should be going, man, he's ready to show us the real life, the more life, the wilder life. And friends, maybe some of you today, like, you, you're still trapped, like you're still living in your Egypt, a slave to an idea or a lie of how you thought your life was supposed to be or, or maybe even who God is supposed to be. Let me just tell you this, Jesus, the real Jesus, not buddy Jesus like Joel showed us last week, but the real Jesus, he's waiting for you. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is there. He's, he's waiting, and he's just hoping with everything that he has that you'll turn to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Would you help me? He wants nothing more than your life. He wants nothing more than your life, but he's ready to give you a real life. Jesus is the first step of the wilder life, friends. And there's nothing else in this world, nothing this world can offer or has or give you that will do in his place. So again, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a couple of songs. And, and during this time, our prayer room is open. Uh, my friends Matt and Lindsay Pryfulger are back there. They would absolutely love to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can text the word prayer to 574-498-2233. We'll reach out to you. But don't be afraid of the wilderness, friends. Embrace it. As the God of abundance is ready to work in your life. Let's pray together. Father God, Jesus, we thank you that you came, you died on a cross and you rose again so that we could come to the Father and we could know this life of abundance, God. And so God, I, I pray that right now you would reveal yourself in a fresh way to everyone here, everyone watching online, God, that, that you would draw us closer to yourself and that God, we would recognize that there's nothing in this world that can replace you in our life. We trust you, Jesus. And we follow you because you're the only one worth following. God, lead us into the desert. Lead us wherever you need to lead us because you know what's best for us. As you refine us, just like it, I believe it's James talks about refining the gold through the fire. You're refining us to be more and more like you, Jesus. And so, would you do that today, God? Work in our hearts. Break down the barriers the enemy has put up, God, because the enemy has nothing on you. They can't stand before you. So break down the barriers, God, and invite us into your presence. We love you and we thank you. Amen.